1: Hello and welcome to Face Off. In this one, we'll be covering top six rivals. You know, Liverpool have done nothing. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about with Liverpool. So we've had to branch out and go into other clubs. Um, so I'll introduce my guests and then we'll go through um, club by club, talk about what they need in the summer, what they've done in the summer, and then laugh at Lampard. Um, that's pretty much the structure of this one. Uh, so firstly, Tadio, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, thanks. And you guy. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, the the weather. It's getting it's getting warmer now. I don't like it. Plus over 20, it's too much for me. I can't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it it was nice when it was a little bit of sun, but yeah, I, I think it's getting too much now.
0: Oh,
1: just can't deal with it. And uh, someone who doesn't have to deal with that because he's Australian. <laughs> he's used to it. Uh is Alex How are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm good. Thank you, Guy. Uh, You said the word 20, and I was shaking my head vociferously because that's just ludicrous. You English people are just the worst. I mean, is that that relatively nippy for you? (laughs) It's a 20 degree day, is kind of like our version of uh, unseasonably mild in winter. And in summer, it is basically an ice age because it's just, I, I could not bear a summer day that was. Less than maybe twenty five. I uh, oh, yeah, you it's a different world, a different world on the other side of the hemispheres, the other side of that big old ocean, but uh, there are times I wish I was over in the UK. Uh, I mean now is sort of one of them because winter here is miserable in like 17 degrees, 16 degrees, maybe as low down as 10. Perfect. But uh perfect yeah, weather. Yeah it's just awful but no I, your weather is certainly not something I envy put it that way. I'd be bag out straight out in shorts in 16 degrees. <laughs> 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 Jesus
1: <Jeez>. beautiful <laughs> uh but we will we'll get another football not about shorts um uh, we'll start off with um with United, um, today well, I'll start with you. They've done two pieces of business so far. They're obviously linked with doing a shed load more. Um, Daniel James and the bigger one in Aaron Wan Bissaka. It's the right back's been a problem spot for them for quite a while because Valencia since he forgot to like be able to play football. Uh, and Ashley Young who is Ashley Young. It's probably been a problem position probably since the end of the Fergie days which is probably quite quite um, evident of the whole club as well um Wambasaka 50 odd million i think he was it, it it's quite a lot but they have improved in that position i think it's fa- fairly safe to say
2: yeah i think they have improved but i wonder how much he himself is going to improve um the reason why i think the 50 million is a bit too much of a price is cuz i haven't seen a, a any player at United improved since Sir Alex maybe I'm being harsh and maybe you guys could throw some names that that you feel that have improved but besides you know just natural growth from being older um, I haven't seen any United players improve so they're bringing in a player who is defensively very sound but in a top six team you're going to need to contribute going forward and he's not the greatest at doing that and if he's at a club that isn't going to improve him He's kind of going to end up stagnating, like what we've seen with you know the likes of Martial, where you've paid a big fee, but have you really gotten value for for that money? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can fully I can fully agree with that. I think the only one who has improved is De Gea, just by sheer amount of stuff he's had to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, um, but Alex wambasaka a lot of people. Whoever they supported for, he was probably top two in right backs in the league last season. Um, but going from Crystal Palace to Man United, it, it's quite a big step up in in pressure and also the style of play you have to play. I know Man United aren't exactly Man City in terms of attacking or us as, as as attacking, but a fullback at Crystal Palace can stand on the edge of the box all game, whereas Man United they have to be involved because they just can't. They, have, they simply have to be.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the adaptation will depend on how well he adjusts to having to be in the opponent's box more than his box or around the opponent's box more than around his box more often than not, or more at least more often than he was at Palace. But the one thing that I do admit is that wan um one one-on-one defending specifically was quite strong last season. I do like the kind of fullback who isn't afraid to challenge one-on-one, who doesn't need a centre-defensive mid- midfielder to come across and bail him out a lot. Um, I think we saw that a lot with Chelsea last season. Marcus Alonso, whose form has deteriorated quite massively uh, and we will probably come on to it later, was, was having to constantly be bailed out by either a centre-back or by sometimes Jorginho, sometimes Conte. Um mistaka didn't seem to have a lot of that, even though he did have a lot of plays around him. And the, the most starkly impressive performance I do recall from when Bissaka were the ones where he would not pocket but really manage someone like Ian Hazard really well mm. or manage someone who a lively winger who could cut back in and try and catch the fullbacks off balance I mean we see it; we're privy to it every week Mane and Salah do it a lot of the time and they just roast fullbacks because as soon as you get into the box and the fullbacks backtracking that's the time when you can catch them off balance. I mean, Salah's left cut into left foot shot is the, the perfect epitome of that. And I think wan is good defensively at marking players one-on-one, which is good because when you think about the way United play, uh, I mean, this is prefaced by saying we don't really know how United will play after about late October. Um, but uh, whoever the new manager is will quite enjoy uh, having a defensive solidity at United probably for the first time um, because Lord knows it certainly won't be going to to Solskjaer. Uh, As much as Ole likes to think he is the kind of man who can lead Alex Ferguson, the idea that he won't... He won't follow Alex Ferguson more so than lead like Alex Ferguson, but the idea that he won't even really stamp his impression, whatever that is. We don't Mm. know what his impression is on this United team means that they really do have to be planning for the future. So Wayne bissaka is a good transfer for that at the very least. Um, but it is just quite humorous seeing United kind of fumble their way through a maybe all English, maybe all young players transfer strategy because <laughs> Liverpool fans are looking at that just going, this is not quite deja vu, but this is learning, not learning from mistakes of the past and just, letting history repeat itself uh, and it is quite funny I must admit just because you say Sean Longstaff you see Harry Maguire for ludicrous fees and you just think yeah yeah it's it's about right it's nice that they're finally having to to go through this getting some bad Charlie Adam flashbacks right now <laughs> uh, Chris they, all they need to do is sign Christian Pulisic. I don't know how old he is now but Christian Pulisic will will really round out that United team quite nicely I think He'd unlock
1: Pogba quite easily, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, maybe
0: you... would be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> true, true. Um well before we get on to Pogba properly, uh, today Alex mentioned Solshy there. I mean the running joke is he's probably gonna get sacked by like Halloween. Um yeah, it, it obviously United have their own problems in terms of the structure of the football club, no no sporting director, director of football or whatever you want to label the tag as. But they've hired a bloke who was, I think he was second in the league or third. Then he went, and then they won the
0: league. So that kind of speaks volumes of him. (laughs) But the the structure is the problem, because they just don't have any vision of what they want to do. Like like you said, there's no sporting director or whatever you want to call it. You can call it a technical director. You can call it a head scout. You can call it this. Mm. You can call it that. They just relied on Ferguson for so long they forgot how to be a a football club. And that's where you just say, even if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a great tactician, which I just don't think he is. Somehow doubt. He couldn't... (laughs) Yeah, doubt. Huge doubt. But I just can't see him succeeding. There's no way I can see him even lasting the season, let alone doing anything else.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, But to deal with... with uncertainty or kind of ridicule as I suppose um, of of the manager situation it, it, is next season almost a free hit for, for Man United because if it goes as badly as, as we think that the manager will be sacked by October and then whether it's another caretaker or I, I don't even think maybe Allegri doesn't have a job by then etc etc um, is it almost a free hit I mean top four is obviously going to be the aim but it, it, Man United is definitely a club in, probably in decline, but in fluctuation, but more more so than anything, because they have finished top four um, under Van Gaal and and Mourinho, um, but they, they've struggled in in the uh, last two seasons. <clears throat> I,
2: I think the biggest problem for United next season is the financial ramifications of not making top four. Um, I think it it needs to be something like two consecutive seasons without mm. Champions League where, you know, I think almost like tw- as much as 20% or even more, I can't, I can't remember, but there's a big chance chunk, uh, chunk of that, especially Adidas sponsorship deal yeah. that is going to be, you know, taken out of their financial coffers for the for the financial year going ahead. And then also you can imagine the other deals, you know, that they have commercially and as a, Club as dominant as 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 United have been over the you know modern history of of football at the moment, they a lot of the deals that they structured were because Champions League was a foregone conclusion. They were going to be challenging for a title every year, and you know it's going to come to bite them this season if they don't make top four. So I think there's going to be a lot of panicking happening at United um, if if they start to struggle and. I, I initially thought they would give Oli uh, quite a few, um, quite a few months, and maybe maybe by you know if December at a stretch, I thought would be the earliest way he might be taken out. But looking at their fixtures at the start of the season, it's not going to be an easy start to the season. Chelsea at home, Wolves away. Okay, Crystal Palace at home, uh, Southampton away. Maybe it's a breather there. But then you've got Leicester at home you know where they're going to be prime for the counter attack and your fans are going to dem- be demanding you beyond the ball then a tough game at Wolves at, at what at west ham away and then arsenal at home you know that's a, just the first seven games and it could easily be looking ugly by then already um and with the the how close the financial side of the club is, is tied to the season it could be a knee-jerk reaction where they're going to have to make a change just to try and, you know, uh, try and wrestle the season back. So, I think, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the, the biggest thing for them is how they manage um, the season in terms of they have to make top four to try and keep, you know, the the finances that they have going at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, you made some brilliant points, there. You made some brilliant points. Um, Alex, um one of the seemingly... Well, we've had a few big transfer sagas already this summer, although they kind of concluded quite quickly, so saga's probably the wrong word, but the the current one seems to be, or seems to be, definitely sparked into life yesterday with... Uh, Riley, I can't say bloody name. Me and <laughs> Riley all uh, saying Pogba definitely wants to leave. I think most people knew that anyway. I think he said it himself, but it just kind of re-sparked it. Um, Pogba, he's a very... Uh, divisive character in, in the sense that some people think he's brilliant, some, think, some people think he's shite, but I think most people think he's definitely talented, but whether it's a lack of effort, a lack of conviction, wrong managers at the wrong time, I made the joke about players unlocking him with Christian Poulsen, um, but it's certainly not been a roaring success back at United in, in his second spell, so if he does leave, how big a miss is it for, for United, because even though they've been crap, I'd probably say he's definitely been their best player, albeit still disappointing, if you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say he's been their best player because I think Marcus Rashford, for all his inconsistencies, is going to be a phenomenal player, and he's already taking on the mantle of, well, this is the team I have to carry on my shoulders. Pogba's always struck me. Even at Juventus, he's always struck me as... How do you, how, how do I put this? He is the cog in the machine that you look at and you go, holy, wow, that's impressive. My word, that is so cool. That's, the, that's what makes it all tick. That's what keeps it all going. And then you realize only when one of the other pieces goes wrong that that really shiny cog stops working and you go, ah, so it can't really do anything unless everything else is – in perfect place um, hmm. and that might be a shit analogy but it's it's the only thing I can think of to kind of <laughs> like just explore the real complexity of Paul Pogba because at Juventus under Antonio Conte he had a ridiculous midfield ridiculous setup that was the best Juventus team I've ever seen and anytime, anything else he's either been crap because of one reason or good because of one reason in France, he could shine because he had the system, he had a defensive system that let him like kind of perform the way he wanted to. And even then at the world cup, he was a bit, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but he was dodgy and he didn't shine that much. And then France,
1: was a lot better.
0: yeah. Yeah. And even like Matt I, I thought Matt yeah, yeah. was a better player than Pogba at the world cup. But at the same time, he'd come up in big moments. Now you flip that on its backside and you go Manchester United. He didn't, when he got relied upon, he faltered, which to me is not the sign of an elite player. It's the sign of a brilliant player that can only kind of be brilliant in the certain conditions. And I think Paul Pogba is, like a luxury player is going too far but he is the player that you need everything else to be right before you bring him in you can't rely on him in a crisis and that's where I think United went wrong I think Jose Mourinho uh, here we go wasn't wrong I'm not going to explicitly say the other word for that but I'm going to say he wasn't wrong (laughs) when he said that Pogba's ego overtook maybe most of the squad because the squad was playing as if it's it's like you know when uh, a good team goes one nil down. Sometimes they will capitulate and realize and say, well, clearly it's just not our day. And sometimes they will say, no, we're too good to be one nil down. We we need to go rescue this. Um, every Ferguson team in that United history would go one nil one nil down and say, right, we're better than this. This is ridiculous. We have to go. Even if they didn't win, they would say we're way better than this. We have to go uh rescue this every game that united went down last season didn't matter where didn't matter at what point didn't matter how lucky or jammy the goal was you just got the sense that they were like all right lads that's it that's done so the united were built on the pogba mentality of everything has to go right for them to succeed everything has to go right for them to win the only exception was that psg game But even then, they got the early goal. So Solskjaer only really had to say, lads, there's a hope. Now let's make sure we get this. And then they probably wouldn't have got there if Kimpembe hadn't stuck his arm out so far and so unnaturally. So even United's greatest success was kind of an outlier. Uh, So yeah, if we're talking about whether Pogba would succeed at Madrid or say Juventus or Barcelona, who are the teams that want him, yes, he probably will. But you've got to ask yourself why he'd succeed there. Well, because they were already they're already ready made teams. If Pogba was the first player that Madrid was signing last season, mm. he was he would have flopped just as substantially because the team wasn't built properly. Um whereas this United team will do good from selling Pogba. Uh, I am firmly of the belief that you need to sell your high asset and reinvest it properly. Uh the problem comes with the second part of that sentence because As of right now, there is no reinvesting properly going on at United. That like, even putting aside all the the comical signings that we were mentioning, the long staffs and forking out 80 million for Maguire, 75 million, 70 million got rejected, didn't it? The idea that United are a club so bereft of any sort of strategy is just. It's it's shameful, but it's also hilarious because they thought themselves impervious to this. Like they were the ones who always thought we're united. This can't happen to us. And reality is, it's not we're united. It's we have Alex Ferguson. They've got Antonio Valencia, who's just uh, just become dead weight defensively. So they replace him with Diogo Delo, who Jose doesn't really like, a nineteen-year-old right back. And then they go out and they sign another expensive young right back to block the young right back they already had mm-hmm. and that's fine wayne boussaka is great then you've got awful center backs who might work in a system but yes you need a center back but at the same time you need to spend money properly because you're not going to get anything from the Glazers. what's the idea go out and spend 70, 70 80 million on one of the more say overrated but certainly one of the most English centre backs <laughs> you, you could go out and sign. <laughs> uh, you've still got you're still paying Alexis Sanchez three hundred grand a week. You're gonna sell romulo Lukaku to Inter, probably. Fine. What's your strategy for replacing him? So far, doesn't seem like there is one. You're pinning your hopes on Marcus Rashford, okay. You might not like Anthony Martial, but you've got to admit there's a talent there. Your defensive midfield stocks are currently in a matic. And you just let Under Herrera go on a free to PSG. One Mata, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him, but he's just been... mal. the, The misuse of him has been ridiculous. No one knows where the goals are going to come from if Marcus Rashford has a down part. And the worst thing is that Ashley Young is going to be your club captain. And it's just absurd that Manchester United have let themselves... I mean, it's funny, but it's absurd that they've let themselves be caught in this trap, which is... The Brendan Rodgers trap, the Roy Hodgson trap, even going back as far as just the, the, the trap that Liverpool fell in in the 90s when they thought, it's all right, it'll all be all right because we Manchester United, we're Liverpool, this can't happen to us. Sorry, lads. Take it from a Liverpool fan who is 21 years old and hasn't seen their team raise a league title. It's not going to be all right. It's not going to be all right until you go out and fix it.
1: It's it's definitely that Chris Piger, I think it's that's how you pronounce it. Second, eh? uh, the lad from uh, Red TV <laughs> talking to the yeah. from the United stander, which everyone full time Devils. I think it is actually, it, it it he was so spot on with that. It's um, you've perfectly put all that, um, just <laughs> very well put. But um, to do your two cents. I know you do the transfer rumor pod as well, so you you kind of um, cross over this quite a bit. But Pogba. It looks like he's gonna go if United but what if United do, do, in my opinion, the stupid thing and keep him? Because we've seen in the past, Pogba is one who will he not refuse to play, but he'll go on the pitch and then just be crap.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that might be more dangerous and harmful to them. Um as as um Alex has alluded to, Pogba is a final piece in a puzzle. He's not the ma- you know, the big piece so i think yeah if if you're united it it makes more sense to sell them and use that money to actually replenish the squad um but it's a catch 22 situation because i don't think united have a system in place that caters for something like that you know they they've been such a big club for so long that if they were to lose a big player i don't i don't think they it seems like they're they're too arrogant to have thought they would lose Paul Pogba. So they haven't made any sort of plan for, you know, what do you do if you lose Paul Pogba? Whereas if you contrast that with like a Liverpool over, you know, especially since uh, FSG came in and, you know, there've been the trials and maybe some errors, but more recently if we lose a, you know, a Coutinho we pretty much are confident that they've got a plan in place to replace him if we were to lose Salah tomorrow you would assume that we've got a plan in place of of how to replace his goals and you know his his stature in our squad so it'll be interesting to see if they if they do sell him how they do replace him but if they do keep him i think that's just one more thing that might become a story against oligonasocha you know if it goes really wrong it's always easy to put a headline with Paul Pogba you know in it whether or not he's performing badly because of stylistically how he you know carries himself on the pitch in english football it's not really seen in the biggest limelight um, we've seen with Mesut Ozil where you know he's automatically known as the lazy player whereas if you look at like the statistics he's actually one of the biggest runners in that arsenal squad and then you know, if similarly with the Paul Pogba, just because of, you know, the the laser fair style that he plays with, I think that will when things go wrong, that's the first target that they're gonna have. So I think I think it's just better to just cut your losses and try and replace him. If I was United, I wouldn't even replace I wouldn't even be asking for seventy-two million and either Bale or Esco. I would just try and get as many players as I can. Don't even worry about the money because I don't trust. Um, United to use that money wisely, whereas Real Madrid have some really good players that are on the fringes that, you know, be bullish and ask for a Varane and an Isco or something, you know, something essential. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could really, really push them to try and get them. And I think United have the advantage in that Madrid having Hazard and Pogba for Adidas is a really, really big thing. Um, I think Adidas really want that to happen um, and make them, you know, the poster boys and obviously being the brand leaders that they are. um, Adidas have enough pull at Madrid. (laughs) You have to be careful how you phrase it. But basically, yeah, they have enough pull at Madrid that they could force an Esco or an Asensio or even like a Benzema if it came to it. That no, you're going to go to United. We've seen it with Di Maria, where Di Maria wanted a move, you know, to PSG, and Adidas said no, you're going to United. We need you at United, effectively. So that that could become quite interesting. I think that's probably the best bet for United. Don't get money, just get a really a, a, a lot of players for him.
1: Yeah, because uh, you, as you said, the are wasted off money anyway, but the. It's not like they're struggling for cash, <laughs> so it's not cash isn't an issue. If they want to sign a replacement, they could keep Potter yeah. and still sign someone. It's not. So yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. I Gareth Bale the big question mark, I suppose, because he, he's brilliant, but he's injured all the time. So it's probably yeah.
0: please let Gareth him. Bale would just be another stupid, a stupid oh, yeah. signing because yeah, what's yeah. he what's he going to do? He's not going to win you a league. He might not even get you into the Champions League. He he's going to cost you at least one hundred and fifty grand a week. He's thirty. He's broken. If it doesn't go well, you've got another Alexis Sanchez on your books who you haven't even gotten off your books yet. And and think of the what's the best you can do? Think Make of the Champions League. Again. Yeah, absolutely. Make Champions League. Also, swap deals are notoriously difficult to do. So it wouldn't surprise me if Manchester United just had first option on someone like Isco or Xabi Vasquez. Vasquez looks like he's going to Munich. Someone someone that's not bail. if, if United just said right. Three players we want first option on. Give us, I don't know, 120 million for Pogba. Will we've got an obligation to spend 40 on Isco? Then narrows it down to like 80, and then we can spend another 20, 40, 30, 40 million on whoever else we have. But are United smart enough to do that deal? No. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. It it seems like that is just the answer. It's just no. They won't. They just can't. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's what we started with. The the structure's all wrong. They just don't, they just can't do the clever thing. So I fully expect them to get Gareth Bale in some some capacity, whether whether it's on a two year loan, <laughs> whether it's a a loan where they're paying all the wages or whatever. I, I, I doubt they'll pay money for him, but well, no, maybe maybe they are that bad. Maybe they will pay money and pay him the wages. Um, but yeah, it, it's a real tough one with Pogba. Um, we've probably gone a bit too long on United, but um, just between you, they're obviously linked with Bruno Fernandes, who I imagine would be kind of the uh, the Pogba replacement, and uh, as you mentioned, Maguire and stuff like that. Is that... I know they've got a lot of positions to, to need, but would you say centre-back and a Pogba replacement are probably the two key positions they need to fix. Now now no, they've got um, a right winger, uh, a right back, I should say they do need a right winger actually. <laughs>
0: uh, Alex. Yeah, I was going to say right, right wing is probably the one I'd go for most. And uh, there was a lot of talk linked to Ruben Neves. I think he'd be good. Like I said, they don't have any stocks in defensive midfield other than Matic. i Mc McTominay actually, who's not very good. Uh, Pogba replacement is someone, I mean, they've been linked to Fernandez. If they get him, would be good. If they get short Longstaff, long that would also be good, but in a different way. Um, I'd say oh, it's so difficult because there's so many holes. But for all I think he needs another source of goals, so a right winger, and he probably needs... A defender to shore up that back four and make sure. So I wouldn't be worrying as much about the pog replacement as I would about those two, yeah.
1: Mm. And They've still got sixty million midfielder Fred to unlock. <laughs> uh so that is
0: absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, that that casual fifty-two million pounds they just spunked on Fred.
1: Yeah, and we'll just cast them aside like it was nothing. Yeah. Uh, just to finish up then on, on United. Say if they roll out. I'm gonna not I'll go through the team quickly of what I think could do it or could be it. Um De Gea, Wambasaka, Lindelof, I'll go with Maguire for now, Shaw. Oh god, midfield's a bit of a mess. Um Matic, Fred, I don't think they'll get Fernandez, but someone new. Um Rashford, Daniel James, and Martial. Is that really good? Good enough to get top four today.
2: No, indeed. I don't think Daniel James starts for them. Mm. Really don't. Um, I, uh, they're going to have to bring Bale in. That's that's the mm. that's the brilliant thing of all of this. They need a right winger, um, obviously Mata could do a job there. But if I you have, they him. <laughs> yeah, but if, yeah. If, if you have Mata on the right and you have one Basaka, there's going to be no width yeah. at all. Yeah, down that side. So Galo
1: play right wing.
2: I know he did it a little bit. Yeah, they could move in there if they wanted to. But he he's a wing back. He's he's not yeah, a, yeah. a winger, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that could be interesting if they. Yeah, it, it's 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 a puzzle in itself. If I was them, I would try and try and do maybe go traditional and go with the four four two diamond, have yeah. Martial and Rashford up top. Um. Then you can even put Mata in that hole. You know, um, that's mm. a better position for him. Or if you bring in a B- Bruno Fernandes, put him in, in that hole. Because you don't want Bruno Fernandes in the midfield three, I don't think. Um, no. Because defensively, he he switches off sometimes. So have your Bruno Fernandes there in the hole. Then you have Fred and Longstaff, or Fred and Matic, or Fred and McTominay. At least there are players there that can play as the two. And then... Um, because Fred's always been traditionally a really good distributor and passer, so you just yeah. you just need yeah. someone next to him to do the dirty stuff. And McTominay is happy to do that. You know, I, th- their defensive midfielder doesn't have to be the star, as long as he just does the running for everyone else and cleans up all the mess. Um, and then you've got you know Luke Shaw bombing forward, Wan Bissaka there being solid at the back, um, and then Lindelof is still a good centre back, uh, and then if it's Maguire there as well. I think that's probably a better system for them. And it would allow them to play deeper, mm. um, which they would need to do if they've got Maguire playing in a back line. So that allows them to play deeper. And then you you exploit the pace of Martial and Rashford with like long balls out wide. And then you have runners coming in. Bruno Fernandes, perfect example of a runner coming in late into the box. That's probably, for me, that's what I would do.
1: Yeah, I think I think in the in the in his caretaker role, that's kind of the system that we using and it was working. So I don't know why the change from that, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Diamond definitely suits him, um, especially Juan Matan, I know mean, he's been not as. He's only really shone under Rafa at Chelsea <laughs> in England, but he's still a very good player, I suppose. Maybe a bit older now, but yeah, it, that, that system seems to suit it the most, so I can't wait for him to like rock up with just an old-school 4-4-2, because that's what the gaffer would do, as as Ollie would say. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to City, because um, we did spend half an hour on United, but that is probably the biggest talking point. Um, Alex, obviously City coming off, pretty much back to back 100 point season know, 098 last season but pretty much the same um obviously it it's, it's very hard to improve a team that's already got a lot of depth in pretty much most positions um an almost perfect first team uh, maybe bar a couple positions and we've already seen them um spend quite a lot of money on on Rodri, I think it was like sixty-two mil, maybe a smidge more, and um, they've probably addressed one more position in terms of getting a bit more left back depth with Angelino, who was at them but went to PSV. Um, but yeah, other than, well, I- I'll start with I'll start with uh, what what I've mentioned already. What what do you what do you think of the their summer so far? And is is Rodri the right fit? I think I've seen Dave um, talk about him not really being stylistically comparable to um uh, to Fernand- fernandinho but is is that almost what um pep wants
0: yeah i was about to say he's a pep fit he's not a city fit because pep city is all about that heart kind of um upping the energy at certain moments decreasing the energy at certain moments it's not necessarily tiki-taka it's more you know calculated attacks in- intense pressure Tactical fouling, which Rodri doesn't necessarily do. He's a Busquets. Dave Hendrick was saying that as well, rather than a Fernandinho. But at the same time, Rodri is exceptionally talented, and he is the kind of defensive midfielder that Pep Guardiola has worked with before. So that could, like, he could Pep could be trying to make City more. Maybe he thinks that City need to be more creative through the middle rather than just getting everything out wide, in which case Rodri makes a lot of sense. He's also extremely clever. I think he takes after Sergio Busquets like that, and he is kind of the right choice for City, purely because there aren't that many n- number f- number sixes out there that do what Fenerginho does, but can also act as literally the only midfielder most of the time, because a lot of them play in twos. Um, even Rodri, to be fair to him, played in kind of midfield four at Atletico, so there's no real confirmation or there's no real security in having Rodri as a signing because if the fullbacks are, I mean we were talking about this the other day, if if the fullbacks are Cancelo and Mendy then he's going to get run out so much and he's going to get obliterated by those counter-attacking teams. I don't think Pep's silly enough for that so I think the fullbacks will probably be either Cancelo and Zinchenko or Mendy and Walker because Walker mm. can tuck back inside and yeah, act, yeah, yeah. act as that center back. Um, that's if they sign Cancelo at all. Uh, it is strange that city fans try to defend Pep spending when he went out spent ridiculous amount of money on a left back, then he spent a ridiculous amount of money on a right back, then he spent a ridiculous amount of money on a backup right back, and he's about to spend another ridiculous amount of money on a right back better than the first right back, significantly better than the backup right back and the backup right-back is just going to get tossed away in Danilo. Uh, he's now spent ex- exceptional money on a defensive midfielder, which was the only point of defense they really had. He spent an exceptional amount of money on a center-back. Uh, he spent a substantial amount of money on a keeper. Edison was relatively cheap, $38 million or so. Uh, a substantial amount of money on a striker, James Substantial amount of money on a winger. In Sterling, although that was just before Pep, wasn't it? $50 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, And Sane was still $36 million or so. The Bruyne was still a substantial amount of money. You can see where I'm going with this. The entire team has been built on a substantial amount of money. And from that point, look, it didn't really matter if they signed anyone. They still probably will win the title this year. Liverpool need everything to go right for them for a second year running. And history suggests that while we probably will still get close, we can't expect to get within two points of the game. We can't expect to finish on 97 points again. We would have to beat 97 points to win the title, probably. And I can't see that happening. That being said, uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Rodri is the necessarily the nicest fit. And maybe you two disagree. Maybe, maybe you think that... City can be fallible this season. I guess we won't know until we know. Uh, maybe those little intricate details, the having Cancelon Mendy on the wing wing backs and just being completely bombarded on the counters, maybe that'll be a weakness. Maybe Rodri won't settle. But as of right now, it's really difficult to see City being anything other than completely dominant again while Pep Guardiola remains at the club.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is a scary thought. I just... I, kind of wish those Juventus links were true it would have helped us quite a lot well
0: (laughs) the speed of UEFA's not just UEFA the speed of the four different organisations threatening to sanction Manchester City was really the sayer in in that deal if they had actually bucked up and done their job and speedily got through some uh, European bans on Manchester City, I have no doubt in my mind that Pep Guardiola would have been sayonara from Manchester City, and then oh, yeah. all of a sudden the family comes in. But we can't really expect that.
1: One year hopefully, but he'll probably be gone by then anyway.
0: <laughs> well, this will be his last. Either way, this will be his last. I- I'm completely mm. completely confident of that. Because if he doesn't win the Champions League this season, like he did at Bayern, three years, no Champions League, see you later. If he wins the league... Three years in a row, doesn't need to do any more. See you later. If he doesn't win the league, it's a failure. See you later. There's no reason for him to stay around. Like he he's mm. too nomadic to just stay around for another season.
1: I bloody hope so. Um, but to do with your your thoughts on the summer so far, and we'll go through um, other possible weaknesses that might look to to improve. But what what have you made of Rodri and uh, improving depth at left back?
2: Yeah, I I think first and foremost, the you know, Liverpool social media and journalists and stuff like that, um, we love to always say "Lalada is a new signing and and that's a running joke every single season. Mm. Well, Kevin De Bruyne is like a new signing for them. And if you're getting 98 points, effectively without Kevin De Bruyne for an entire season, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do when those two come back into the team? And if they stay fit... I really struggle to see how Liverpool can keep up with city uh, this time around, and especially with the current if you look at the current squads, obviously, there's a transfer window still to go, but the depth that city is is what really wins a league title for them every single time they they just can bring players in where the quality doesn't drop. And I think Liverpool's starting eleven for starting eleven. Liverpool could argue they can match City. Okay, fair enough. Everyone always throws that argument. But a league season of 38 games, considering that we're going to be in five tournaments as well, it's not about starting 11 versus starting 11 anymore. It's about a squad. And right now, I don't think Liverpool have a squad strong enough to challenge City um, in the league. Um, I I guess we'll find out opinions come the end of the transfer window. But considering the signings they've made, yeah, they needed cover at left-back. Um, we'll see. Obviously, if, uh, if um, Mendy can get his fitness back up, anyway. Um, Rodri coming in. I think effectively Pep just was like, okay, let's just pay the release clause. Let's just get someone in because he's tried so many times to get the Fernandinho era parent for so long, and it's just not worked. So I think he he just got fed up and just said, okay, at least if we do the release clause, no one can you know stop that move. Um, so, so that ended up happening. Stylistically, I think, yeah, he's more, I think he's more Gundogan than Fernandinho. So think of City, mm-hmm. the games that City played without Fernandinho. I think that's more the style that they'll play with Rodri there. Um, just I think Rodri is probably a, a smarter midfielder than Gundogan. So I think he'll suit Pep's system and Pep will find a way to, to block the holes that maybe were there when Fernandinho wasn't there. And alternatively, because City haven't gone so strong in for a centre back, I can. This is just yeah, hypothetically, I could I could see Fernandinho being used as a centre back, Mm. and them effectively having another passer on the pitch, especially against you know the the teams that they outright know are not going to attack them. We saw Liverpool against Brighton play Wijnaldum there. Um, I don't see why City can't do that with Fernandinho for a lot more games than people would maybe have thought they'll do. So then you'd still effectively have Fernandinho on the pitch, and I, I'm sure him coaching Rodri whilst being on the pitch would help Rodri, um, you know, just grow into games a bit more and and settle in more. So that could be interesting to watch. So yeah, I think I think they've just got a, a lot. And, uh, my biggest worry is obviously Liverpool's load for our front, front players, our starting three. Um, yeah. So it, it will be a tough ask. I, I think we need to, to make some signing up front. If just a signing that allows us to rotate the front three, because Klopp, it, it can't just be any signing, because any signing, as we saw last season with like a Shakiri, when it comes crunch time, Klopp isn't going to rotate the front three because. He didn't want the quality to drop. No offense to Shakiri, but it seemed like that was the case towards the end of the season, yeah. you know, where he virtually didn't come on. And then Origi, um, he's continuing to grow. So maybe if he steps up, that could be interesting, but it's a tall ask. And I, don't, I still think, even if Origi was to step up from last season, I, think, I still think holistically from playing style, not just goal scoring, was, uh, the quality would drop if he comes into the team to rotate. So I personally would want like a, a just a natural wide player for Liverpool to to bring in, not even a striker. If if you're gonna if you you know if you're gonna live by the promote your youngsters thing, give Brewster a chance there, give Origi a chance there. Um, I'm happy for them to be the backup strikers. And then if we have a wide player coming in a top quality wide player coming in, then you can always put Mane and Salah up front as well and then let that wide player rotate. So it, it, I think we would be able to cover the striker position without signing a striker, but signing a, a wide player that can play either side.
0: Yeah. Do you reckon... Okay. Um, sorry, sorry. Do you reckon... I'm trying to think... I'm trying to rake my brain as to points of City's fallibility. Yeah. Do you reckon if they sell Sané, which looks like Munich are pushing very hard, and Sané himself wants to go back to Germany... They sell Sane then the flanks Sterling on one side and either Mares or Bernardo Silva on the other that would detract from Bernardo Silva being the David Silva air. David Silva is getting old. It there may be one hole in that city team, which is whoever's opposite Sterling, because I don't think mares is the, I think Mares was one of those transfers That seemed good in theory until it seemed good in theory on the proviso that the player was compatible from Leicester to City, compatible purely based on a skill set. And I think more than his skill set, Marez isn't compatible because he needs more space than he gets at City. Uh, And it's just one of those things if circumstances don't suit him. So if Mahrez is on the other flank and Sane's gone, uh, and that means you play. Bernardo Silver in centre midfield. That means De Bruyne plays next to David Silva. Maybe David Silver's old. Maybe his legs go. Is there a fallibility there, or is it clutching at straws?
2: It it could be there, but I, I think it's it's a bit of a stretch. And I think we we have to remember Phil Foden could could be the David Silva sort of deputy. If yeah, that's true. You know, if ben, uh, Bernardo's moved out wide, and I think. The way I look at it is, let's take last season, for example. Would City rather have uh, Kevin De Bruyne fit for the whole season or Sane fit for the whole season, if you could pick one? Which is effectively what they could go into next season with. Is If De Bruyne is fit for the whole season, you're basically replacing uh, Sane with uh, De Bruyne. Obviously not position-wise, but in terms of availability. And I think they would take Bernardo. i'm um, Kevin De Bruyne every single time. So I, I don't know. I, I think that Pep's smart enough to get rid of um, Sané and still be, still be pretty formidable.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, City are going to roll the title next year. Um, but there is good news for Liverpool in that there is clear daylight between... There is more daylight between us and the rest than there is between us and City.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think we'll I think we'll get close to them, but I think we do have to make signings. Which what's the date today? July sixth at the minute. So if people listen, it's a bit late. Hopefully, stuff has happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's uh, it's not great with Man City already signing. I'll say a one and a half because I think Angelino at the moment is probably third choice left back. But um...
0: well, Angelino might go to PSV permanently. I- no, but they signed him back from PSV. Oh, they did sign him back. I thought they just... Him. No, yeah, so no, sorry. Yeah, that's right. He, yeah, they yeah. did, yeah, they recalled. Yeah, I thought they just recalled him, but no, they signed him back. Yeah, yeah. didn't they?
1: yeah. So unless they're mm. selling him for a profit, which I'm not sure, uh, maybe the take a season, but if he's third choice left back or whatever, I don't know, we've met, protected Mendy's uh, bad fitness record, whatever. Um, Alex have obviously lost lost company, title bastard winning company. Um, (laughs) uh, he was obviously such a big player I know his his role kind of reduced over the last couple seasons and stuff like that but for me and all the part is brilliant and stuff, but as as a simple as a defender, company was still their best defender. They're there, the other team linked with Slabhead. For, I, I don't know why. At this stage, I think every bad transfer Man City are linked with. It's just them trolling United to make them spend more money. Um, but if they do get Maguire or someone of that ilk, I mean, it's not going to be as good as Company. But is that plugging up one of the last weaknesses in the squad? I suppose because Stones hasn't really worked out. Or he hasn't bits and parts, but not overall. Or Mendy had his one season. Mangala's still there. Um, (laughs) Somehow. The less said about that, the better. Yeah. yeah,
0: Somehow, Um, Mangala is still there. (laughs) there. As much as you can, just say about how you could make color. Yep. Look, uh, Maguire would make sense theoretically, but Jesus. They would criticize us for spending seventy-five million on Virgil and they would do it to uh, no something doesn't click there. They're smarter than that. I think you're absolutely right now that I hear it out loud. They are definitely just trolling United. They are definitely leaking their interest just to be like, go on, you know, to spend five million more. Spend 10 for million more Yeah, they go. Uh, do it. Yeah, it did work for Fred. Um it uh, well no, it didn't work for well, like it worked for Sanchez but inadvertently because they did actually want Sanchez and Sanchez did actually pick United over City and Sanchez did actually make the most colossal fuck up of his entire career. Um, Yeah, I would say Laporte and Otamendi would be their number one pairing right now. Otamendi has a mistake in him. That's for certain. Mm. But I think he's a lot more stable than John Stones, who's gone off the boil completely. There was a game last season when – I can't remember. I don't think it was Burnley, but it was team like them when he made a royal cock up. Uh, and Pep kind of chewed him out a bit after the game and said, look, we know he's more composed than this. We know he's better than this. He just needs to realize it himself. And like – Said like oh, I'm not sure if he's the same person we signed. Blah blah blah. He, Pep doesn't usually chew out players like that, yeah. and he it didn't. He wasn't a Jose aggressive. He just kind of called on him to be better. But I think that did signify the point at which John Stones is now faded back into
1: a project player rather than a sure feature. Yeah,
0: un unrefined. I'll say he's he's still like he he was for six months there a, a complete package and now he's let his concentration slip again. Not being... The problem with City is any defender will tell you that being a good centre-back is half the time just being there consistently and building up a partnership. If you are constantly being changed... If your partnership is constantly being broken up, whether it might be by injury or by rotation, then you can't get into a rhythm and you can't rely on your partner being where you expect him to be because, oh shit, it's not my partner. It's the other guy who's two two yards forward or two yards back and that throws off your rhythm. Laporte is the mainstay because he's excellent, but City do need to find, not find, figure out who is going to be his partner and just leave it there. In the same way, we left Matip there I mean, Lovren's injury kind of factored into that, but we left Matip there and Matip and Van Dyke became probably the best centre-back partnership in the league. Um, Champions of Europe centre-back partnership. So for for City, it's going to be a lot about finding where their best chemistry, but also their best in-possession partnership stands. Whether that is Stones and Laporte, I think it's probably going to be Otamendi and Laporte it's certainly obviously company's now gone and it certainly isn't Mangala on the port. Uh because it's not gonna be Mangala at anyone. <laughs> the biggest uh, sport in comeback ever. <laughs> yeah. That would that would put Bradbury's ice skating comeback to absolute shame. Mind you, it might be a bit of a Brad, Steve Bradbury. If, if anyone's not heard that story, they're going to be confused. It was the Australian ice skater who finished, He came from fourth to finish first in the Olympics because everyone fell over. And the only way Eli Mangala is going to be starting a game for City is if literally everyone else falls over. And Taddy mentioned it earlier. That would also require Ferdinand Gino to be falling over injured because he will probably be at centre-back before Eli Mangala. Um, I do think uh, there is a chance that City have some early faults purely based on mistakes and if they sign a new right back. Uh, but look, the the likelihood is they just go out and sign a centre back, stick him next to Laporte all season. Well, you you
1: mentioned on the fantasy pod about a free at the back. I mean, it, it does make sense on, especially if they do sign Cancelo, which seems to be the link, if he's more attacking, if Walker can, has played free at the back, mostly for England. Um, he can still do that filling out midfield role from there. Fernandinho probably suits playing a centre of a back three quite well. Who could obviously do that right? Card midfield centre back thing, and Laporte mm-hmm. Laporte would really suit a back three. So
0: does that? You it... uh, would Laporte would suit a left centre back role as well. Laporte would actually suit being on the outside, being able to go progressive. Yeah, that's the one thing that I'm thinking they actually do. Yeah, and, and I forgot I kind of suggested that, but now that I think about it. You don't need to necessarily prioritize a winger and midfielder kind of balance if you're playing three at the back, because then you can play Rodri next to De Bruyne and still have your two fullbacks beside him, three, four, three with Jesus, Sterling, but not a silver out wide. And that is still as rock solid a core because you've got the three centre backs, you've got Fernandinho stepping out, you've got Rodri dis- distributing, you've got De Bruyne moving up the pitch. Uh, the three, four, 3 makes so much sense. And Pep Guardiola used to experiment a lot. I mean, he experimented to the point where one game he didn't play any centre backs. I think it was against Wolfsburg. Uh, he played yeah. Lam, Alaba, and Juan Bernat, I think, in a back three. Oh, and it, <laughs> it was just—he was an yeah—he was that was p- peak Pep Guardiola nut casery where he was just Oh, I'm going to I'm experiment with everything. I reckon we could see something similar to that this season with City if they get six. Maybe a nine-point lead over Liverpool, and maybe that's where we come back. Maybe, maybe Pep Guardiola's lunacy in a good way. He's, he's the most incredible lunatic in the world. Uh, maybe that's where there is opportunities if he tinkers and makes a three-four-three. Three. I think the three-four-three three could work, um, supposing they have one centre-back in there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with it. It just, I think he kind of fell out of fell out of love with the idea of Walker, so that might be a problem there. But I think. Walker's albeit not never was a £50 million player, I think he's somewhat dependable, I suppose. Um, Taddeva, anything to add? I don't know you mentioned Fernandinho at centre-back. Do, do you think centre-back's probably the last problem position is the very wrong word for this, considering the team that they've just got like 198 points in, <laughs> in two seasons? But is is it the one position where you think, yeah, possible, we can say, possibly add Mendy in there as well with his... With his injury problems, but Zinchenko looks like a good player as well. But centre back is that the last thing for them, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the last piece for them. And considering Pep doesn't really improve centre backs defensively, he obviously improves, you know, their passing and that type of stuff. But I, I don't, I've never seen centre backs really, you know, improve the defensive attributes uh, under Pep. I, I'm very surprised that he doesn't just go out, you know, with the with the finances that they have, just go out and buy Kulabali and just say F you to the entire world. Like, they, they honestly could. You know what I mean? Just just mm. go and buy, you know, Laporte and Koulibaly. Well, they've not been linked time. with Delict either of them, which is strange. Yeah. That, I, I, and that's why I was wondering, there there has to be a reason why they they didn't even publicly show any interest to delict at all. You know what I mean? I, either from the get go he told them, Look, I'm not interested. No matter what you guys offer, I have no interest in coming to City. And then they thought, you know, let's just keep this hush hush and just keep quiet. Because obviously being a club like City, where you throw money at players, it, it's yeah. embarrassing they outright say no. You know what I mean? Um, and, and they don't want that kind of publicity against them. So either that or
0: Well, they, also remember Rayola and Guardiola hate each other, so that could have been
2: something. That Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That, that could have been something as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't understand why they're not just going for an absolute monster centre-back and, and saying, you know, we're done with, with everyone. Now now you can go for a Champions League. You know, if, if you add Koulibaly to that team, that's probably the strongest team in the Champions League. So um, yeah, I, it it will be interesting to see what they do. Um, they seem to be filling other positions. So you would think because of FIFA fair play or financial fair play that that would stop them signing a centre back, but <laughs> we we've allegedly <laughs> seen that City is above the law when it comes to that at the moment. So yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how that pans out. Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's certainly. Uh... Well, Mo's we'll done many pods on that over on uh, Money Talks on the pro side, if, if people want to listen to Man City's um, getting away with it, shall we say. Uh, allegedly. Uh, putting,
0: putting it lightly. Yes. Allegedly yes. putting it lightly. Yes, there you go. Allegedly. Get that in.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a very... it's a very uh, Weird situation, but uh, we've spent quite a lot of time on, on the two Manchester clubs, but they are the two main ones, I suppose. Maybe we'll split this into two pods. See how, we'll see how long it goes. Um, but we'll finish on Man City. They're still the scary lads. Uh, Sana is probably the last question mark on them. But I know you mentioned it, Alex. But uh, we'll we'll move on to um, Spurs. Uh, probably a bit of a forgotten son. constant I know they got to the Champions League final, but they kind of or died a death in the uh, Premier League last season um, were but a big stri- a big ch- um, change in strategy for them this season they've gone out uh, they've got Jack Clark who's gone straight back to Leeds but the big lad the, the big one the big one is um, signing Tanguy and Ndombele and for I think it was like 60 odd million which go from nothing in what is it three transfer windows to that or two transfer windows to that
2: it's just It's quite impressive. It is impressive. And I think maybe they were saving up all all the money to then go big on a transfer. We've seen that with Arsenal after they moved to uh, the Emirates where they couldn't necessarily go and buy five, six, seven, eight, nine players, but they could always go and try and spend big on one player and then maybe fill the other squad positions with uh, cheaper options. So perhaps Spurs are adopting that model. Uh, in terms of the player himself, what a signing for Spurs. I, th- I think you just have to hold your hands up and, and applaud them for something like that. Because um, this is one of the most coveted players in world football in terms of, you know, potential, um, h- how high his ceiling is when you look at center midfielders throughout Europe or world football. So for Spurs to be able to nag him at, at that price at that time, um, they're going to make it's one of those signing. It's similar to like a Coutinho signing, where obviously maybe because of the price, it, it changes. But if he fulfills his potential, they could easily make that money back and then some when the time comes for you know the Real Madrids or the Barcelona's or the Bayern Munichs to come looking looking for him when you know, when he's twenty six, twenty seven, which they usually tend to do. Um, Obviously, Spurs would hope not, that that's not the case and that they'll be able to keep him for a bit longer. But it's, it's you know, even we're not prone to like a Salah, you know, a Real Madrid coming for a Salah and, and us being like, okay, fair enough. If he wants to go, he can go. Um, I think stylistically, he's a play they needed. They needed someone in that midfield that can get some sense of control of the midfield. And you could see, especially in the Champions League final, they really didn't have someone, um, mm. to, to, to sort of just try and, I don't think he can at this age and at, at, at the current level is at, I don't think he can necessarily do exactly what Musa Dembele was doing, where he can dominate an entire midfield game on his own. Um, he will need help, but he has the potential to become that type of player that could wrestle a game away from a team uh, at an instant. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, I still think, basically spurs have to be better in their physic uh, like physiotherapy and sports science department because the load that they've put on their players is not good and as long as they keep doing that I think that's what hinders them the most um and you can see for example Harry Kane had no business playing in the Champions League final obviously he has business being there because he's Harry Kane I get that but from a physical standpoint from a you know, a, a being it being a team sport, he did more damage being on the pitch than being off it, I thought, for Spurs. Yeah. And also, it then sets back his, um, you know, his preseason for the season coming forward, which then sets him back for the season. And this seems to be something that happens with Harry Kane year in, year out. Um, before the World Cup last year, he suffered an injury. They rushed him back just so that he could be at the World Cup. He played the whole World Cup injured. Then I thought, okay, maybe Spurs will give him a rest at the start of the season. Because he, but even the fact that he played so far into the tournament with England, he still came back relatively early into the season, and it's no surprise that he broke down again come February. And if they keep doing this with him, it's gonna keep happening. At some point, they do need to give him a proper break, let him have a, a, a proper rehabilitation where he's not coming back before. you know, the scheduled time that he's meant to come back. If that but I suppose being a Liverpool fan I'm 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 not gonna, you know, complain with them doing that because it's just gonna damage them more. But obviously my girlfriend's a Spurs fan, so she she's not gonna be happy with, with that. Um I think they still need a, a number two for Kane, either number two for Kane or a winger to come in who can rotate with Son. Mm. So that Son, Kane, and that winger can can sort of help manage Kane's minutes. Um, so it will be interesting to see if they can land someone like that um, because they've tried so many times to get a second striker. They've tried going old with the Llorente. They've tried going young with the Jansen. And it, it's, the you know, Soldado coming in, it's... It did. They failed really badly in, in doing that. So maybe the best option for them is rather sign a wide player and Son be the number two and not that Son won't start, but Son can rotate as the number two, similar yeah. to what I was saying with Liverpool where sign a wide player. Then you can throw a silo and Mane up front and use that to um, share the minutes between all of them. You can do that pretty well. So I, th- I think hope- hopefully for their sake, um, they do something like that and then, the rest of the field I think they're looking pretty strong. The interesting thing for me is I think Ericsson's gonna be stuck there. And mm. it's gonna be interesting to see how both he, Ericsson, handles it and how the club handles it, you know, financially, were they relying on him leaving or what the situation is there. But there just aren't any clubs at the moment that can take Ericsson, maybe at a stretch by Munich, but as has been said, they want Sané and and, and they've already got like quite a strong Midfield. If they if they were to bring Ericsson in, they would have to change their shape again, and I don't know if they're ready to do that for an Ericsson, Maybe for maybe a, a higher profile player, and you know his other option, Real Madrid, who had already pissed off Spurs, um, seemed to be going another route. There there just aren't any options for him at the moment, so I think he ends up being stuck there unless his saving grace would be man united coming in for him at the moment that's the only way i can see him leaving as things currently stand
1: i think we need to teach you the word the
0: meaning of saving grace <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, saving grace for whom
2: <laughs> i'm not sure um,
0: you want to talk redemption stories guy you want to talk the redemption arc if vincent yanson Oh, becomes God. the number two to Harry Kane, a broken <laughs> Harry Kane. And Mauricio Pochettino is forced to turn to the man who he didn't even look at for most of last season until he finally included him in one match they at the end of the season. And I think he played about four and a half minutes of Premier League football. That is the redemption arc that the Premier League deserves. That is full Barclays, if I've ever seen it. Imagine the final, not final game of the season, but Spurs versus City. Third versus first, Eliakim Mangala versus Vincent Janssen, That yes. would be a battle for the ages. That would be elite. It, uh, it
1: sounds like a potential, like, double signing for, like, Everton, where they're just both yes. on the same team. <laughs> Absolutely. They yeah. need to set the bucket. They need to strike
0: <laughs> Everton FC have announced the season-long loans of Vincent Janssen and Quinn Mangala. It's one of those just, oh, yeah, it would be uh, – Quite interesting, but to be fair to Spurs, their transfer business is or has been excellent so far. I think Trippier will probably leave because he's not up to the quality anymore. Um, they want Danny Olmo. I don't think they'll get him because Ericsson will stay. They want Giovanni Lascello. Same thing. They won't get him because uh, Ericsson will stay. If they do find a suitor for Erikson, that's two very good replacements. If they do get rid of Trippier, I think they want Max Ahrens from Norwich, which will be a nice little signing. He's young, he's class. Um, my thing is uh, they've already got the inbuilt replacement to Alderweireld. But am I right in saying that his release clause will kick in, or it already has kicked in in July? Twenty five so. million.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. believe.
0: And even so, he's got one year left on his contract. So, and he's old. He's thirty one now. Uh,
2: but we have to remember. Uh, Davidson Sanchez came in as the Alderweireld replacement. Yeah that's, yeah, yeah, that's
0: what I uh, that's what I was saying. Like yeah. he, they've already got the ready-made Alderweireld replacement there, so you'd think they'd cash on him, in on him now. That's twenty five million. Foyt is already a third centre back. When Yama can technically play there, you probably do need another one, given how susceptible Spurs were to injury last season. But you could easily manage to sign someone on loan or something like that. The whole Spurs don't have money thing. If they do get money for Eriksen, okay, they, they won't. Now that Pogba looks like he's going to Madrid, then that, that it's not going to happen. But theoretically, if they did get $25 million for Alderweireld and then in January someone desperate, Barcelona sells Coutinho, sells Dembele, uh, Neymar breaks his leg and then they say, all right, Christian Eriksen comes in, um, Spurs would technically have enough money to go pull out another big signing because you... The thing is that Spurs losing a Champions League final was deemed to be different to Liverpool because they didn't have the resources in place to go out and buy an Allison, buy a Navi and buy Virgil van Dyke. But now, if you look at the way Spurs are operating, 65 million on Tongi and Dombele is uh, a very, 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 very shrewd piece of business. Daddy Olmo or Daddy Ceballos, both of whom they seem to be interested in, both of whom were excellent for Spain, the other 21s. Uh, both quite good. So, yeah, so you you kind of say, well, they could make those statement signings if they were so able. It's just how much money do we think they are willing to throw around? Isn't Dombele going to be the last one until they have another sale? It's actually another sale, in which case they look a bit light on the. I mean, Teddy went through all the um, kind of stocks up front pretty well. I, th- I agree with the whole idea that Son should be the Kane's number two. They looked better with Kane out of the team than they did with Kane in the team after January. Uh, Lucas Moura's heroics last season should give him a nice confidence boost so you can play Moura, Ali, Eriksen, Son in the same side with Ndombele and maybe Sissoko or maybe Winks in the back of a midfield three with Ndombele and Eriksen. Uh, but I'm just waiting to see Spurs make that one more signing. You know, that, that, that one more... We lost the Champions League final, but we aren't resting on our laurels. Mm. Um, and I wonder if they will. I, I, I'm curious to see if they will.
1: Yeah, it it, it, uh, it is strange because last season they had quite a, a hellish time with injuries. I think Ali missed quite a lot of the season. Kane missed quite a lot of the season. Son obviously had injuries and the Asian Games and stuff like that. And they had no pre-season due to the uh, the World Cup. So I think everything that went wrong for Spurs in terms of a preparation and availability standpoint, it just did go wrong. So it's kind of an... Spurs are almost an unknown quantity going into in the next season because they'll have better prep. I know some of them have been uh, disturbed by other competitions and stuff like that. but uh, And and they have an actual stadium to play in now rather than pitching about with that for three quarters of the season. Um, but to well, how, how, what, how much do you think Spurs can improve? Concerned the factors I just mentioned, Because They were second. Well, they probably they were probably the best team in the Premier League without winning it for like three odd seasons. If you get what I mean. But how how much can they like improve? I know they made one big signing, but does just having more time to prep the lads that are already here and possibly underperforming a bit give them a? An unexpected edge, I suppose?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair statement to make that they've been probably besides City, they've probably been the most consistent team in, in the Premier League um over the last couple of seasons. And I think you know they although they finished behind Chelsea, um and they finished what, about say, Whoa, <laughs> 26 points behind us. I didn't realise it was that much. Um, <laughs> um, I, st- I, think, I think they're probably, of, of the top six teams, I think they're probably the team that can improve the most next mm. season or in terms of they look the, the best positioned to improve the most next season. It's going to be hard for City to improve on 98 points. It's going to be hard on Liverpool to improve on 97 points. Um, Chelsea will get on to 72 points. Arsenal had 70. It's going to be difficult for them. We'll get onto them. United, we've already spoken how difficult it will be. Um, maybe they'll improve, but in terms of position, I, I don't know how much they can improve there. So Spurs at 71 points, there were games and Spurs had 13 losses last season, which is incredible to consider, you know, for a top four team. They can definitely cl- improve on that. Just those 20, just those 13 losses, turn yeah, some yeah. of those into draws and wins you're already on eighty, you know, eighty, eighty three points right there. So I think they I, I think they're gonna do far better than people are giving them credit for maybe. Um maybe because of how big the golf was and as I admittedly said, having just realized that it was further further than I thought. Um maybe it's justified that people are saying they're not gonna do too much, but I think they definitely are going to solidify themselves as the be- the third best team if not fighting for second or first best team in, in the Premier League next season. Um, in terms of what more they can do in the window, I think we've spoken about that. I personally would try and sell Ericsson. I'll do everything I can to try and sell him. He's, he's shown that as a player that goes into a season where his futures, you know, he doesn't seem to deal with the off field and the on field as well. So if unless he's signing, you know, a new five-year contract and he's saying, you know what, I, I apologize, I'm here to stay, I can see we're improving, then they should be happy to keep him because he he brings a lot to their team. But if he's still going to have his head turned and want to move to a bigger team or something, um, do as much as you can to sell him. It seems like they've got a really good um, scouting system or whether it's faith in Pochettino picking players. Mm-hmm. But you look at the players, they're linked with the Los Alsos Getting in Dombelé, um, Caballos and Olmo has been has been mentioned. Those are all really good players that you could see improving uh, Spurs. So I think, it, unlike the United situation, Spurs would be very comfortable selling a player and being able, well, selling a Christian Eriksen and looking to bring in players to improve the squad. Yeah,
1: yeah, kind of in 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 a in a similar situation, um, Alex. I'll ask you this. I think mean, you mentioned it. Spurs last season, not the previous seasons, but last season, um, I think, I'm not sure if it ended up being statistically right, but for a period they were they were a better team without Harry Kane. Um, I'm not sure if that proved to be right in the end, but um, is is there an argument? Is, maybe his value is probably the lowest it's ever been due to the injury hit season. But is there an argument you could sell Harry Kane and reinvest it quite a bit better? Because maybe it's too late in the summer now, but he's probably a £150 mil, two hundred million asset. And if you're better off, or were better off without him for a period, you could reinvest that and improve the team as a whole.
0: Yeah. He, you got to caveat the whole idea of Harry Kane being an asset with how broken is he? Because, like, mm. we have heard that his ankle is just knackered. And he keeps coming back from injuries too quickly and he's going to put strain on it. And I'd be surprised if he's playing longer than 33, if he hasn't retired Mm. by age 33, I'd be very surprised.
1: Does he have too much power at Spurs to get away with bullshit like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. He does have too much power at Spurs. I think Pochettino is liable to give someone like Harry Kane too much responsibility for himself. Uh, He had no right to be playing the Champions League final, as Taddy said, but if I was Spurs, I would invest. The problem is we're seeing it this season. The big clubs don't have to sell anymore. There is no, the power balance has gone so far out of whack that mega fees don't work anymore. Chelsea could very well have dug their heels in and asked for 150 million from Eden Hazard, but they had a transfer ban and Hazard just basically begged for them to leave. Neymar wants out of PSG, but there is no market for him because Barca can't afford him and Madrid signed Hazard. United are only selling Pogba now because their prospects aren't great and because he's disruptive. You know if there is there is no reason for Spurs to sell Harry Kane unless they got a really good bid, but the fact of the matter is what they would class as a really good bid won't materialize from anyone. So yeah, while well, you're right he is an asset that you would sell right now, one the immaterial, the intangible effect of He's Harry Kane. He is a local boy. He is their spiritual captain. He is the leader in that dressing room. And as long as Pochettino is there, Harry Kane kind of needs to be there. That's that's one as one thing. One asterisk to say. Second asterisk is well, he's broken a bit, and would he befo- would he want to go anywhere other than Spurs, where he does have that power and that responsibility? Mm. The answer is probably no. He, yeah, like I said, his ankle is shot to bits. It has to be. Um, So I don't think selling would be in the interests of Harry Kane or Spurs for the time being because they wouldn't get the money they want. If they did get the money they want, I would definitely sell. Um, Just like I would sell Pogba if I was United without a second thought. Um, Just like in Chelsea's position, I would have sold Hazard without a second thought. Uh, And... Yeah, it's, it's it's the idea that you you capitalise on an investment that isn't completely integral, or you, that while you're not at the top of your game, which is why City are reluctant to sell Sane, and obviously we wouldn't entertain selling Mo Salah or Mane. Uh, just, just we wouldn't do it because again, there's no market to be to be had there for them. The power balance completely swaps now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think many people are looking for that. Big ass number nine. I mean, ba- Bayern still have Lewandowski, fitter and probably better. Um, uh, Barca are getting Griezmann and already have a de- is declining or declined Suarez. Possibly Real Madrid just got Jovic. Uh, why mm. would you go? Why would you go to United?
0: Uh, yeah, since... you wouldn't. City have Jesus in the wings. Yeah, we're we not, we're not gonna buy if we get a nine, we wouldn't get Kane. Uh, PSG. PSG probably Kamani. the only
1: one. Like would do it if they lost Napoli, yep. I suppose.
0: Killian, and they've still got Cavani, even though he might go back to I uh, might go to Napoli. Um, but at the same time, I uh, I think if they went to sign a striker, they would probably sign someone French. Um, I think Spurs. I don't even think this is, would include selling uh, Harry Kane. I think they may well look at signing another striker, though, purely because. If they do play a 4-3-3 like we assume they will this season because they signed Ndombele and because it seems to be what Poch mm. is going for, um, I'd, I'd say even if you don't have Kane up front, Son might not work as well in a 4-3-3. might work better cutting inside off the flank in a kind of that Mane role. Uh, so maybe sign someone like Alexander Mitrovic from Fulham went down. Yeah. I know they're like Sessegnon, but I, if I was Spurs, I'd be looking at Mitrovic cheap good striker would be happy to play second fiddle to someone like Harry Kane. Um other than that I can't really envision any other Spurs signings that weren't dependent on Eriksen leaving.
1: Yeah. And and to D, what 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 else do you think they'd have to do to kind of bridge the gap between them and then us and city is is endomble enough to kind of put them in the in the in the reckoning or do you think they they still have to improve I mean, well, the spine used to be mint, but now Lloris is declining a bit. We've mentioned Aldevireld in passing the the torch onto Sanchez, who was good first season, but last season was a bit mixed. Um, midfield might be fixed now, but they've still got injury problems there. Kane's buggered. Ali's been uh, not not been his usual goal scoring self. I think he's kind of stuck in a in a fluctuation of positions. Really, so it is it. What what do Spurs need to do to bridge the gap between? top four to title contender again?
2: I think you can bring in a lot of similarities between Spurs and Liverpool and it's, it seems like over the, the last 10 years or so one has been jumping over the other in terms of where the squad is and how they're positioned with regards to the league. If you look at Spurs, they're in a similar, similar situation to where Liverpool were a couple of seasons ago where it's now, you know, our starting 11 is good, but we need to start signing players who come into our starting 11 and move our starting 11 players onto the bench so that we have better squad depth. I think Spurs have done the whole signing the 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 Teps and those type of players where they're coming in knowing I'm a bench player. Like, no matter what I do, I'm coming in as a bench player. And there was a time when Liverpool were doing that quite a bit, um... But Spurs now need to take that next step where they're signing a player, you know, that comes in and says to Lucas Mara, are you really the right winger or am I going to take your place? You know what I mean? Someone that can then bring that question in and that then improves them in terms of depth. I think they, they need to stop this whole buying just squad players. And you can see with the Dembele sign that, that that's something that's heading in the right direction because their midfield was looking weak Um but bringing Dembele in now pushes, you know, either a Winks or a, a Sissoko or e- everyone else in that midfield goes down one rung in terms of hierarchy because Dembele is now the number one midfielder in the club, so that helps them. Um, I think, I, I, if I was them at the beginning of this win, at the beginning of this window, I would have been hinting at clubs that we want to sell, Kane um or at least inquiring to see if people are interested in Kane before all the money was spent uh, as Alex has mentioned there're quite a few clubs that have already spent too much money to be able to afford him um so they could it it's a, it takes it looks like it's a step back and it's similar to you know we always look at that Coutinho deal to Barcelona where it it was a it was a step back for Liverpool but then they used it to go two three four steps forward you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think because of the, the injury record for Kane and the amount of strain they're they forced to put on him because it, it seems like they, either they can't help themselves or he can't help himself. But in that relationship, it seems like they're just going to keep breaking him and breaking him. He is... And it's not to say that Kane is going to get worse as a player. He's still a lethal striker, lethal finisher, lethal striker. It's just there are times where, for the good of the squad, I think selling him would have allowed them to then buy you know, three or four first-team players that are coming in as first-team players and moving certain first-team players onto the bench and just making a really strong squad. And once again, I point to Liverpool as the example for doing something like that. Um, But I want to ask you guys, the way I see it with, with Kane is there's only... What three, like for the for the fee that that Levy will be asking for Kane, which is north of one hundred, probably at least one fifty, right? It, it according to the current market, you would imagine that's what he'll mm-hmm. be asking for Harry Kane, yeah. right? Of the clubs in world football that can put that kind of money up in a deal that would let Kane be sold, I could only see. You know, United, City, Real Madrid, Barcelona. I don't see Bayern Munich putting that much money up front. Bayern Munich like to put in loans and player swaps and paying really low fees. You know, you you always get surprised at how little Bayern pay for players. And that's similar for me with Juventus. I'm always surprised at how little Juventus play because they're yeah. they deal makers. They They don't just throw the money. So... That's why I would write off a Bayern Munich. I'd write off a Juventus. The reason I write off PSG is because Kane just doesn't look like a player that would go to PSG. Hmm, he, seem, he seems, you know, he knows what's up at PSG. At PSG, all you're there for, all you have to do is win the Champions League. That's your job. The, the, the French League seems to be a foregone conclusion. And I think that lack of competitiveness would really grind on, on Kane, it seems like. So I, I don't see him going to PSG. So as I said, I don't know if you guys agree, but Man United, Man City, Real Madrid or Barca are the only clubs I could see signing Kane. I don't think stylistically Liverpool would sign Harry Kane. That's why I would write us off. And, I, and I, I would think Kane would see Spurs on the same footing, whether or not he's right or anything. I just see him seeing Spurs in the same league as Liverpool and saying, why would I go to Liverpool and be a part player if I can have my own team at Spurs yeah. and get them to sign players to you know in and around me. So yeah, those those are the clubs that I would say can afford them. And if you look at United, they could do it, but does Kane want to go to them now when it, it seems like they're going to have an exciting season at Spurs this season? Maybe not. Real Madrid have already spent money. Um, Barcelona have already spent money. Maybe Man City could come for him when Aguero leaves. That could become interesting.
1: That's a good shout because maybe Kane's not. Maybe he's not a Pep player, but we don't know who will replace Pep at Man, City, at Man City. So maybe the next manager may have a better role for a stereotypical number nine, if that's the right way to describe Harry Kane. So, I mean, he's only 25, but as you, as you both point out, he's, he's done quite a lot. I know he got established quite. Um. Late on, I think like 2021, 20, when he started playing a bit more, but he he's done quite a lot, and injury problems have kind of hampered him this, this last season, especially. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. For me, he kind of smells of a player who'll be at like United at like 28 and they'll just overspend on him. That That's kind of my feeling. I'm, I'm not sure. Does he have the markability to go to one of the Spanish big two?
0: Possibly not, because. Well, you know, he. You know, he reminds me of mm. the man who was, we were speaking about before, Gareth Bale. Mm. He just, I mean, maybe it's the Spurs connection. It's Gareth Bale, but he didn't, uh, not necessarily abandon ship. No, it's Gareth Bale, but Spurs were in a position where he, they could fulfill his ambitions because he is injury prone. He is probably going to get his move after his peak. He is probably going to retire early, and he is a mercurial leader of that Spurs dressing room. And, yeah, I think you're right in that he's the type of player who could go to United when he was 28 for far too much money and stink up the place. But at the same time, I could also see him retiring at Spurs because there's no place I can actually see him going and being like, yeah, he fits there. I mean, Teddy Teddy said it with PSG. PSG, your job is to win the Champions League. Yeah. It's not a job that anyone's done well. So... At some point in time, PSG are going to have to stop being stupid and start spending money wisely. They already kind of are this summer. They're making better signings. And at the same time, PSG, the idea that they could come in and just be the ones to spend money on Harry Kane, well, the people they spend money on are the ones that raise the brand because PSG do have to think about the brand as much as anything. Thiago Silva was their brand player as their leader. He was their take-a-seriously player. Neymar was their Explode, the brand, and Mbappe was their French football brand, mm-hmm. um, the, and the future brand. Harry Kane doesn't fit in there anywhere. He doesn't really fit in either the Spanish club, maybe post Suarez Barca, but a lot will depend on whether they get Griezmann. It's one of those things where, yeah, just Harry Kane doesn't seem to be anywhere other than a Tottenham Hotspur player and a Tottenham Hotspur cult hero.
1: Just gonna check his contract details to see when he can move to Juventus. <laughs> 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 do 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 twenty twenty-four. He will be signing for Juventus oh, on the <laughs> he'll be about thirty-two by that yeah. age. <laughs> no, uh yeah, it's a it it's a stra- it's a strange one. I, I, I think he'll stay at Spurs for the foreseeable. but I think United if they fix themselves, you could see it. But I can't. I agree with you today. I I, I can't really see him, and as the only ones with a market, maybe Juventus if if post Ronaldo, but not with Ronaldo there. Um, and I don't really want to see Harry Kane trying to speak Italian. Um, <laughs> it, barely it, speak English, let alone Italian. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's
1: it it's just yeah. I just can't really see it. it's it. I it's just one I can't really see him at a foreign club because you saw Beckham at Real Madrid, perfect fit. And then no one else has really been a perfect fit in other countries. I mean, maybe the German, the young British going to Germany, kind of may change that. But that's Germany. That's kind of a lot different to Spain and Italy.
2: Um, the only the only way I can see, like if Spurs force him out, uh, as we've we've spoken about earlier. But also, there's going to come a point in Kane's career, especially with the characteristics he's shown where he's going to believe that he should be in the conversation for Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And at some point in time, it might be a situation where he's going to be like, there's no way I'm ever going to get the Ballon d'Or if I stay at Spurs. And that's going to become maybe where, that's where I see like a Madrid or Basel or City or if United can sort themselves, a United. That that That's the the, the kind of thinking I was thinking of what would force him to do, the, to do the move opposed to maybe Spurs forcing him to mm-hmm. do the move yeah. is if he's now... And you can see what the the, the characteristics here, right, he has already when it comes to like golden boot and stuff. He's a player that is looking at the corner of his eye at that Ballon d'Or and seeing how can I get there? And if Spurs don't continue to improve, I think he's going to get to that point where he's like, I just need to go just to try and do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you've made a good point. Because in a post messi world, I mean, Messi's I mean, I think Van Dijk's the favorite for the Ballon d'Or. This scene obviously, came fifth somehow with <laughs> with Modric winning it last year um, or this year. Um, it, it, the Ballon d'Or is kind of becoming more open now, um, especially with Ronaldo kind of declining a smidge from his like freaky, inhuman um, form. Messi probably should have won it like every year but he just didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very good point with the Ballon d'Or, because I think, obviously, Neymar's talked about that as kind of a, a motivation from for leaving Barcelona, for example. Mbappe would probably want to leave PSG, because uh, similarly to Spurs, you're not going to win the Ballon d'Or at PSG. Um, so, it's a, it's a very good point, that. But we we have talked to uh, Spurs quite a bit Um there's probably more questions there but it'd be quite interesting to see how they how they do um... going to finish up part one here um, this is obviously just an added on outro but yeah we did run over a bit on this one um, so we're going to finish up part one here and we'll be back with part two with Arsenal, Chelsea and uh, a quick look at the people who might sneak into the uh, top six so thanks for listening to this one, do check out part two thank you
2: Network.